I lied a lot when I was young. Did you really? Um, I liked to try it on. It was like, I can't remember <laughs> to now. To try it on. Like, I think I lied about things like, I remember in eighth grade telling everybody I didn't have a middle name. Like, stuff that was what so is your middle name? boring. Danielle. Quinlan Danielle Posner. It's a little... When I was 17, I went to like this fun summer theater intensive in New York. And I'm You're from so cool. De- I was so cool. You can't believe it. I was definitely cool. I went to orchestra camp. So oh, basically, we're equal I was cool. cool. You were like, cooler. I smoked pot at camp. You did? I like that was, hung I was out with so, the older guys. I was so Hung lame. out to euphemism. <laughs> um, but I got a fake ID while I was in New York because we were in. I'll just say, I was at, like, staying, it was the Vassar Powerhouse, like, theater program. Oh, So I was staying there, 17, like, living in Yonkers. No, not Yonkers. (laughs) (laughs) Poughkeepsie. Equally weird. Poughkeepsie. I was killing it. I was in New York. Yonkers specifically. (laughs) No, Poughkeepsie, even worse. (laughs) Fucking Poughkeepsie. So we went into the city, and I got a fake ID made, Um, like, went to somebody selling fake IDs. They gave me a fake ID. It was my photo. And when they went to fill in the information, it wasn't the kind of thing where they were like, here's all the information. They just make it up for you. Mm-hmm. They were like, what do you want your name to be? What do you want your social security number to be? Which is that a gets, really like, perilously close to identity does theft. Does anybody have, but do, does any state actually have someone's social on it? They probably have it like. As a I don't think so. Don't As think a so. puzzle, you're hysterical, and then you have to solve it. Like, 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 like each state probably has it like somewhere. Only written on Dan it. Brown can figure out. Yeah, it's like no. they increase one let number each time, and they're like, so that in a pinch. Well, the point is, I was nervous that um, a doorman would quiz me, so I picked my real social security. So I got an incredibly illegal thing done with a real fake social ID, security number. and then put. My real social security on it, which I think changes it into probably like a felony if it wasn't already. And I found it when I was back in Denver. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like recently. And I was like, I love this. Do you want to know my name? Yeah, absolutely. You picked your name. I think this is, I mean, my expectations are already pretty high about what Quinlan Posner made up as her name. You're going to be so disappointed. I'm about to ruin everything because the name I picked was Lindsay Brown. Bad, right? No, it's actually good. Yeah, Lindsay I actually Brown. Support it with my fucking. You could be a Lindsay Brown. I don't say that to me ever. <laughs> when I how dare you? When I went to go get my license renewed, um, because I turned the dirty thirty, um, I had to get it renewed, and then I got my new address and all that stuff on it because I was no brags homeless for three years. I didn't have like a permanent address, so I got everything sort of taken care of. And I didn't know they were going to take my picture. And so I look like shit in my ID. And I should have known. I should have fucking known. Um, But the worst part about it is I feel like whenever I get my ID picture taken, in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, I've watched enough Law & Order SVU. This is the picture they're going to look up to Mm -hmm. motivate. Like, that's going to be on, like, my case, you know, file. Yeah. So if anything bad happens to me, this picture has to motivate 
the police for finding me. Oh and my I God, think like I you've got to look hot, likable, or nice. Nice or like big. like a smile with your eyes to go tire. And then the other thing I think about is I watched America's Next Top Model growing up, and she got a modeling gig from her passport. I will never get any work from my passport. I'm not going to get work from my ID. I feel like I feel like I really missed the mark on that one. It's so funny that you say that though, because I remember having a similar strategy with my driver's license when I was 16. When I first got it, I was like. I'm going to be really funny. I wore like a bright, bright colored shirt and I did high pigtails and I did the Shut biggest, up. craziest smile. And my reasoning you was first of all that everyone would ask each other to look. And so I was like trying to be class clown when people wanted to see mine and be like, oh I'm hilarious. God. Look at mine. But they also did it, did it in the thought that like if I ever got pulled over and it was one of those situations where the cop was like on the fence about giving you a ticket because it was something stupid. They would laugh at your ID. That they would see, they'd ask for my ID and they'd see it and it would put them in maybe a better mood because it would be so silly. (laughs) It it didn't work. I got a ticket for running a yellow light. Oh my God. We can have a whole episode about this experience I had, but it was really creepy. Do you want to hear about my creepiest? Do we have time to talk about my creepiest? You know what? We, here we are. If you, if you're not interested, Hit the skip button a few times and you'll get to the stories. But if you are interested, stay tuned. My privilege is showing, but there were a couple times I got pulled over and, like, I didn't get tickets, blah, blah, blah. One time I got pulled over, I was heading from Bloomington, Indiana to Indianapolis, and I was getting headshots done for free. Like, someone on a tour was building up their portfolio, and so I went and took pictures at Butler University with my friend, Lawrence. And... We were running late and I was speeding and uh, the police, you know, sirens go off and I pull over and I'm like freaking out. I'm in college. Like these are free headshots. You know, of course, hindsight is 20-20. I'd be like, you're getting free headshots. This is fine. Like, just do it. But I I was so afraid of this ticket that I was Mm -hmm. like, I can't fucking afford this ticket. Like, I'm like, you know, pinching pennies everywhere. So this police officer is a state trooper. He pulls me over. Um, and he takes my ID and registration and goes to his car and, um, I, I'm like talking to Lawrence. I was like, I'm so, I immediately apologize. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I really didn't mean to. We're on our way to headshots. And he's like, what the fuck is a headshot? Sounds like porn. Anyway, so (laughs) he gets in the car and I'm like talking to Lawrence, really nervous. Like, I can't pay this. You know, that freaky feeling. And I look in my rearview mirror and I see him beckoning me out of my car. Weird. The cop? The cop. Okay. So I open my door and I get out of the car and I walk back there. I'm like, Lawrence, he's like asking me to, he's like, like put like his fingers up summoning me. How old are you in this scenario? I am... Maybe 2021. Okay. But I think young. That to me is young. So I get up, I'm out of the car, and I and of course, again, hindsight is 2020. It's like, you know, trust your gut, right? But this is someone who has like a hundred dollar ticket, right? Holding it over my head. Mm -hmm. So I go out and I he I go to the side passenger and I like bend down and I'm like, what do you need? And then he waves me into the front seat of his car. 
Holy, that's not usual. That is so abnormal and inappropriate in so many ways. So again, because I was like afraid. You're a kid. I'm a kid. Like, you know, I'm like broke. You're a dum-dum. I'm a dumb, for sure a dum-dum. I I get in the car. I get in the front fucking seat. Well, at least you're with somebody. Thank God I was with somebody. Because the, nothing too cuckoo. Nothing too with cuckoo. With someone that I guess because he would like jump over and I'm hopefully would chase me, you know. Well, and he saw the whole thing go down is all I mean too. So the police officer is like, so wait, what's your last name? I was like, it's the third one. Like, Ipema is my last name. He was like, listen, I'm going to level with you. I know it's hard to be a college student. And he tried to, like, talk. I mean, he talked down to me. He just was like, I get it. I'm just going to let you off with a warning. Like, Oh, he wanted to just, like, sit in the glorious glow of his, of like. Of my adoration and gratitude. Correct. And... Of course I thanked him. So I get out. I go to the car. I have my warning in my hand. And my friend Lawrence was like, you know, he's amazing. But he was like, what happened? He was like, I have expected your head to go down. I was like, oh, my God. What? Like, what is going on? (laughs) That would never happen. But I was, like, so horrified by this that I kept it a secret for so long. And then one year I ended up telling my my mom, so mad at me. What, for getting in the car? Yes. Yeah, that's fair. She was like, and it's fair. And my mom is not someone to like, my mom, again, Kathy, trust your gut, trust your blank, trust your gut. And I was like, I, I, I didn't know what to do. Like, this was a power situation. Like, am I going to, if I didn't, if I was like, I don't feel comfortable, what would it felt like? Those thoughts didn't cross my mind because I was just worried about the ticket that I had, that I had coming my way because I was speeding. And Mm -hmm. it was like clearly like a power trip. And, you know, dear readers, you get it. Like, we've all done stupid shit. Dear parents. Dear parents. Talk to your kids about their rights. That's a big thing because my my dad's a lawyer and he always, when we were kids, was constantly just saying things when we were teenagers about like, just so you know, if you get pulled over, they don't have a right to search your vehicle. Like, he didn't yeah. know what we were up to, but he didn't care. It was just like, know your don't rights. know your rights because they are going to fuck with you because you're a kid. But we also, but like growing up, my parents have a lot of respect for police officers and we're never like. Not mine. <laughs> but, but, but it was also like you trust, like it wasn't even police officers per se. It's like you trust your authority figures. And in our system, in our society, like who, like those are the authority figures. Nope. Not anymore. Not, not anymore. Things are, I think Absolutely. that's a huge shift, that's though, that's happened shift. since we've been kids. Absolutely it now is. Now you teach your kids not to. It did leave. That's my creepy. They left a gross mark. It just, like, you she left, left some feeling gross. Fucking yeah. snail also, sludge like, on your life. Again, in retrospect, you you now, you know, now I know what I would do. I would be more assertive, but... I'm glad you're okay. I'm glad I'm okay, too. But I have, I mean, my story, I mean. What? Your story story? Yeah, my story story. The, the story that I brought in today. Do you want, is, are you saying you want to go first? Who went first last time? Did I go first last time? I can't remember. I don't care, actually. I don't, I don't have a preference. So right, if you let do. Let me go first. All right. So this is the story of Kevin Ives and Don Henry. Do you know this story? I do not. Based on Kevin their names. Ives. You, you Ives might know this familiar. story. You might know this story. I don't know. Um, tell it to me. I can't wait to tell it to you. So um, I just want to say some shout outs to like our sources. Obviously, the OG, the M Mother F and sort of praise be is Wikipedia. Amen, honey. Um, 
Mm-hmm. THV11, they had an article, um, which I fact-checked on Snopes. Love Snopes. Thanks, fact-checkers. Um, there's a book, The Boys on the Tracks, so some of the quotes are from that. I did not read it, but a lot of the source materials. Um, Encyclopedia of Arkansas, Unsolved Mysteries. Yes. Yes. We love that. Is this oh, – now I, think, I feel like I kind of know it because you said Boys on the Tracks. Okay, just you tell You might it. know it. You might know it, but – so this is a story of Kevin Ives, who was 17, and Don Henry, who was 16. It was the evening of August 22nd, 1987, and the boys left around midnight, so technically August 23rd, and they went hunting um, at night. By the way, who goes hunting at night? That feels crazy to me, right? What? Maybe for um, I don't an know. owl? <laughs> maybe. maybe they were owl who's hunting. Owl? Like, who eats owl? <laughs> that feels like not even a good meat. Bat um, hunting? Ba- bat you hunting. You must do at night. <laughs> so they brought, one of them brought their gun, their um, twenty-two caliber rifle, and a flashlight. Maybe they were doing this illegal style of hunting called spotlighting, where you flash a light in the in your prey's eyes, and then they temporarily go blind, and then you shoot them. So it's illegal. Why? Why is it illegal? Yes. Because I think it's not humane, and it's also, like, as a sport of hunting. I don't know why it is illegal. It, like, illegal. crosses into torture. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. Kill it or don't, but yeah, like, don't play weird mind games with it. Yeah, like, don't blind it before you kill it. Fair. So at 4 o'clock in the morning, so four hours later, on August 23rd, 1987, a 75-car, 6,000-ton Pacific Union or Union Pacific locomotive that was traveling to Little Rock, Arkansas, that was en route. They were traveling in Alexandra, uh, Arkansas, and it was traveled about over 50 miles an hour. And they spot two figures on the track. The choo-choo train conductor The choo-choo train conductor. His name is Stephen Schrover. Okay. And he sees two people. He sees two people lying on the track. And he's... Alive. I mean, I... Maybe, sure. Sleeping. Sleeping. We don't know. On a train track. They're on a train track. They're running parallel to the train track, and he thinks he sees them like a green tarp over it. So he knows he doesn't have enough time to stop. So he, like, blasts his horn. He freaks out because he knows he can't stop, flashes his lights. Unfortunately, he didn't have enough time to stop. The bodies do not move, and he runs over both boys. Dead. I'm going to say dead because here's my thing. Tell me. Have you heard this story before, by the way? It is familiar familiar to me. Yeah. But, and I know that it, there's, like, a lot of mystery around it. Can I, I say what I know? You know. I, I know that there's that mystery know. around it. Okay. That's what I know. And I know there's something fishy with the tarp making appearances and unappearances. So it ran over the boys. Um, so immediately they, they did break. They just didn't break with enough time. Mm-hmm. The police were called at 440 in the morning. The police showed up. And the police are, like, a big topic in this sort of investigation in what I was looking at. And so Stephen Trotter was like, I, I swear I saw the conductor or the engineer was like, I told you I saw the green tarp. And they were like, no, you didn't. And he was like, yes, I did. I told you. But the green tarp is nowhere to be found. Right. That so, part. But to be honest, for me, the green tarp is not the T. Like, the green tarp is, like, not actually, for me... 
Uh-huh. The like the t- the meat of the story. Tell me. The family obviously the next morning is like our boys. Where are they? Like they did not come home. So eventually, the police identify the boys through their dental records, uh-huh. um, and they notify the family. And the police came to the scene, and they were initially investigating it as a suicide, despite the engineers being like, "No, no, 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 that's not what fucking happened." I don't um, think that's ever happened, by the way. I'd be interested to know if anyone's ever committed suicide that way. And I am excluding from that people New that York are drunk subway. and people that are loaded, loaded, loaded. Yeah. Because I think people so, have passed out drunk on the tracks and, like, made a decision when they're drunk, like, fuck my life and, like, lay down drunk and then got run over. But I'm talking a 16- and 17-year-old hunting are not like, instead of hunting, let's be the hunted in the most dangerous game. Weird segue. I just found a long hair on my... That was really long. Was that connected to your chin? That was connected to my chin. That was really long. I have one of those three times oh your face Oh, my God. Mirrors. That was long. Like, look how long <laughs> that was on my fucking neck. I'm getting old. Welcome. Oh, I, just gonna... was, I was like, my hair on my chinny chin chin. I just pulled that out. Thank I God. pull out... You pull out? A million. I pull out. That's my birth control method. But also, get ready. I have a tweezer. I have an amazing mirror for you when we're done. And you can go pull figure out if there's anything more where that came from. It's happening. It's happening. We're getting older, These folks. two bearded beauties. <laughs> bearded lady. Which, no, you know what? Be a fucking bearded lady. Be whatever you want to be. Okay. So... They're, like, investing it like it's a suicide. And even though the train crew is like, fuck, no, that wasn't a suicide. Something was fucking wrong. They notified the family. The family is like, what? These are, like, 16, 17-year-old boys. They found nearby was the um, 22 caliber rifle and a flashlight, right? So they are brought to the medical examiner for an autopsy. This guy, Dr. Fami Malik in Arkansas, who was appointed by Bill Clinton. Little known uh, fact. Appointed to what? To the medical, because he was the governor of Arkansas, so he appointed the medical examiner. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. This is where... Okay, this is where it gets a little too, like, pizza gate or something. Yeah, a little too pizza. There is a pizza gate angle of this. And I gotta tell you. I'm sure there is. And I hate it. Because, like, some of the stuff I found was, like, Facebook. And I'm like, ugh, you guys are fucking crazy. Crazy. I have to say that even though I hate it, I also (laughs) love it. Because I love anything that's cuckoo crazy conspiracy. It got so cuckoo. I I invested, I started this story because I was like, oh, this is so weird. The circumstances around it are so bizarre. And then it takes this fucking turn into, like, right-wing conspiracy theory. Okay. So... The medical examiner, um, Fami Malik, um, so he does the autopsy on the boys. And his conclusion is that it was an accidental death um, as a result of marijuana intoxication. <laughs> so he claims that they had 20, and I love whenever someone is like marijuana cigarettes. I think it's, I don't know why. It's the funniest thing it's in the, the world. It's the funniest agree, thing. Agree, agree, agree. He's like, they had 20 marijuana cigarettes. <laughs> it's really funny, though. <laughs> 20 marijuana cigarettes. Also, what? 20 marijuana cigarettes? Who's got the type of cash flowing around? I mean, really? Who's sitting around rolling 20, 20 marijuana cigarettes? Okay. The nope. answer? Not Buy these bong, folks. Guys. So... 
be more efficient. This is where it gets cuckoo bananas crazy. So um, they f- apparently they smoked 20 marijuana cigarettes. They fell asleep on the tracks. And immediately the parents were like, fuck no. Um, how can you sleep through a loud sound? And why would they lay in identical positions? And I guess this is also where the tarp comes into play. It's like, would they like wrap themselves? Would they like no, throw a tarp they were them? dead bodies that someone put a tarp on, right? Right. They have to be. So what's crazy is local authorities did not question this ruling. This accidental death. And that's where it turns into conspiracy theory. This is what's crazy about this guy, this medical examiner. It ended up coming out that he, like, was a fucking whack job about a lot of it. He sort of misidentified deaths of a lot of other, like, a lot of his rulings kind of came through the court system and were overturned. So although local authorities did not um, question his ruling, um, his staff accused him of keeping outdated crime lab stationary um, on which he allegedly falsified findings and autopsy reports just before certain cases went to court. So, wait, he's in trouble for stealing stationery and writing fake notes on it? I'm No, confused. it's like, I, that is a little confusing. What I think I read is that he has this, like, old stationery that's yeah, yeah, outdated, yeah. that, like, okay. that isn't, that's backdated. He can go in and change the uh, findings for right before the court. Whoa. So, fraud, so right? So, he's getting, like, paid off by people and to, like, he's adjust. covering up things. Yeah. Why cover this, I think, would be the question. Right. Who so killed them? The hospital where the boys were in, where the boys were initially taken to um had no records of their presence ever being there. That's fucking bizarre. Super weird. Because also got I mean those insurance companies, they want that money. And also a medical report from an EMT on the scene claims that one of the boys' bloods looked like it lacked oxygen. What's that mean? Like what would have done that? death oh i see yeah look like okay so it's like that guy had been there for a minute yeah that they were dead on impact so the family's like fuck you and apparently the sheriff who was like overseeing this fucking sucked the families hired a private investigator and the pi was met with resistance from the police and every other um investigating agency which i think that's like a natural sort of like um relationship between like a private investigator and a in a in any sort of like police or agency that feels like a natural mm-hmm. what is the word I'm like like enemy or no um opposition I don't know. I don't you know, know the saying. word you're looking for but I'm with you. Yeah. What's crazy is Linda Ives, the mother of Kevin Ives, so one of the victims, um, she criticized the sheriff's administration in a letter she had published in the Boston Courier. So she went out of her way and fucking was like, fuck you, you mishandled this, you're bad at your job. And after that, she published the letter, the family's lawyer, this guy Dan Harmon, made a deal with the sheriff in February. And he said if the parents could withdraw the criticism of the sheriff... (gasps) and support him, then they would get the investigation they wanted all along. You cannot hold a good investigation of someone's death hostage to them. Mm-hmm. Like, he's blackmailing. He's blackmailing them based on his word. That's not the right word, but they're... That's... It is blackmail. You just have to do that all along. Everyone just deserves that. You don't say, like, but I'll do a but good I'll job do, yeah, if... Exactly. So... Five months after the case was closed, quote unquote, the parents held a press conference to get the case reopened. And the next day it was 
1988, another um, somebody else, somebody from San Antonio, a doctor, another medical examiner, was like, "I'll give it a second chance," because he was also skeptical of the ruling of it that they were intoxicated on marijuana cigarettes. After he exhumed the bodies, which is like so traumatic to the mm-hmm. family, mm-hmm. so fucking traumatic, and he found maybe one or two marijuana cigarettes in their system. Yeah, because nobody can actually smoke more than that. <laughs> exactly, and so these are little hazy details, but I think that information was brought to the grand jury and they were like, it's a probable homicide. A grand jury ruled it was a probable homicide. And then it was found that Don Henry on one of his shirts, it showed that there was evidence of a stab wound Mm -hmm. on his body. And then on Kevin Ein's skull, there was evidence that it was crushed by his own rifle. So somebody, okay. So someone stabbed, crushed his head. Stabbed, Stabbed one crush the other's head. Why, why, why? And so then the ruling was changed to definite homicide. Oh, thank God. Thank God, right? So they changed that. So another thing that was just suspicious with, like, the flashlight and the rifle on the floor was the dad was like, there's no way my son would have ever left his rifle on gravel. He would not want to scratch it. He was like, that shit was precious. There was just, like, a lot of anomalies yeah, yeah, yeah. in the case. So then six weeks after the case was reopened... The prosecutor on the case found a similar case in Oklahoma where two young men, Billy Hanlon and Dennis Decker, they were lying on the railroad tracks and hid in 1984. So three years prior, um, the police had no suspects in that case either. There's it's a serial this... killer situation. I don't know if it's a serial killer situation. Because it happened twice? But what there's like mean? there's precedent for this happening before. I right. think it's more like that this is something that someone's done. I don't know. If... I just want to know why. So, okay, we'll get there. Okay. So I will say it was on Unsolved Mysteries, like, very shortly after, in, like, 1988. They died in 87. So Unsolved Mysteries, like, picked it up. And after that, the sheriff, who was, like, that asshole sheriff, he refused to uh, allow any funds to aid the investigation. And this is before, I think, they reopened it. But Mm -hmm. also, this is the other thing. He also lied about where the boys' clothes were sent. So instead of sending the boys' clothes to an FBI, he sent it to the Arkansas State Crime Lab. And I have good news on the sheriff. We'll just tie him up. He was not reelected following the involvement of this case. So that's one little. Like, so the sheriff fucking ousted. Okay. Good. So. Get out. Here's some theories about what happened. So the. I'm ready. I, I'm telling you right now. Spoiler alert. It's still unsolved. No one knows what happened to these I did boys. know that. No one knows what happened. So one theory... If you know, email us. If you know, email us at trulydirectlycreeply at gmail.com. So a theory is a week before the boys died, there was a dude in military fatigues, like, hanging around. Mm-hmm. And this was great. So he was just hanging around, and a police officer was like, what's this guy doing? And he went to go ask this guy questions, and the guy immediately opened fire on the police officer and ran what? away. What? <laughs> oh I wish I was that guy. What a crazy reaction. Like, like someone's like, hey, I want to talk hey, to you. what are you? Boom, 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 boom. boom, boom. Jesus Christ. And then he shut that conversation shut that conversation down. down quick. So he like escaped into the night. Um, and then the night that the boy died. Boys died. There was a similar looking guy who was spotted nearby. Yeah. He was leaving the town on the road less than 20, 200 yards from where Kevin and Don were hit. Um, They never located or identified him. Okay. My take on this. Yeah. Eh. 
Okay. This guy had a fucking gun. Like, I just, I feel like if you have a gun that's like, he, this is a stabbing and a crushed skull. Like, I, I, why that? Why that? Right. And this guy. So next. Thank you. Next. So there's a lot of drug conspiracies around this, which I'm conflicted about personally, because just because these boys smoked a little weed, like there was a lot of drug conspiracies, but these are more like maybe they stumbled on a drug lab of someone making methamphetamine and they were subsequently killed. I buy something about being out at night and seeing something you're not meant to see. That element rings true that to me. That rings true to you? Don't hunt at night. Don't said hunt it at once, night. But I'll um, say it again. The mom, I'm going to get into the moms because it's like kind of an involved story that spans a lot of time. Um, but I'm going to get into what I think is like maybe possibly there's something going on here, which is a police cover up. It definitely sounds like that's the case, but why? So a local witness claimed that on the night of the murders, um, they saw two police officers beating two boys senseless in a store parking lot and tossing them into the back of the truck and driving away. That feels crazy, but they weren't sure if it was Kevin or John. That's too aggressive for me. So if you see something, don't say something unless you really saw something. Okay. (laughs) And then say something. Yeah. So after the sheriff was not reelected, Keith McCaskill, so Dan Harmon is one of the prosecuting attorneys, right? Mm -hmm. We know this guy. He has an informant on the case, this guy, Keith McCaskill. And so what he does is he's like, listen, Keith, go out and take aerial photographs of the crime scene. Keith McCaskill was murdered. He was stabbed to death. Whoa. Okay. That's one. Okay. On January 1989, so a year later, um, 26-year-old Greg Collins, who had been called to testify before the grand jury, he died from three shotgun blasts to the face. What? Mm-hmm. And wait, who was he? Why was he going to testify? Greg Collins, I th- he was somehow connected. He saw I have something. no idea. He knew something. They, I was just we like, don't know this, what he knew. He knew these something. These were like lists of people that were related. That like Okay, so everyone that knew something is dying. Exactly. Just weeks before the, well, this week before another guy was being called to testify in the grand jury, this guy, Colin's friend, Keith Coney, he died in a motorcycle accident. Suspicious. Suspicious. Especially just the timing of everything else. Um, in March 1989, another recipient of a subpoena that was about to appear before a grand jury, Daniel Booney Bearden, he disappeared. Dead. Another death supposedly connected to the case was that of 21-year-old Jeffrey Edward Rhodes, whose body was found in a landfill in, eight, in 1989. So these are, like, none of them, like, gave me context into how they were really involved, except for Keith McCaskill, that he was, like, helping Dan Harmon, the prosecutor, take pictures and shit. Right. But everyone else you know was Subpoenaed or called to the grand jury. Some, yes. Yeah. Okay. So the deaths were all ruled homicides in March 1990 after another investigation, but there are no reported arrests. So they were all mysterious. Wow. So you just have this stack of fucking homicides. Exactly. So this is another crazy. So Harmon, the lawyer, he was representing Kevin Ives and Don Henry's parents. He was convicted of racketeering, conspiracy, extortion, and drug possession with intent to distribute in 1997. So seven years after that, he was convicted of drug involvement and racketeering and all that stuff. And I don't know, in the book, Boys on the Tracks, 
the writer, so this lawyer has now an 11 year prison sentence handed down to him. So this proved to the parents that their son's deaths had occurred in an environment of local corruption. So, that, yeah. Okay. That's a general thing to say, and I totally buy that it was true. Mm-hmm. I want to know so badly what the, it just, it does feel like those boys saw something they weren't meant to see. Exactly. She, like the author, she's done like so much research. She offers no answers to the questions. So and it's she like, of totally, anyone would. She's not, listen, she did not do a quick Wikipedia search like yield, dear readers, Carrie but did. But we'll still venture to say what happened. Well, we'll still venture because that's who we are. And we like, listen, we're here to like stir the juices of your investigative journalism. Uh, (laughs) So that was just fucking bananas. When I read that Harmon was convicted of like drug, drug trap, like whatever that was, he was at drug charges and all like his informant died and all the, like there's drugs somewhere in this situation. Fishier than fish sticks. Fishier than fish sticks. This is another one. So May 25th, 1990, this woman, Catherine Brighttop, said her ex-boyfriend, this guy Paul William Criswell, said that he and two others were involved in the boys' deaths. Um, He told her that the boys tried to steal cocaine from someone's home and were caught and beaten to death um, before their bodies were placed on the tracks. I, I mean, that seems like a one, weird lie to make up. It's a but... weird lie to make up. It's a, it feels also like a weird flex, you know, like how many... People have we gone to have how many boyfriends have he was like and by the way I also have no middle name (laughs) fuck off this so Linda Ives I'm gonna go the mother of Kevin she's kind of been like the kind of crusader in terms of like finding out what happened to her son Mm -hmm. um, Kevin Ives so she believes it involves drug trafficking and her theory is that the boys came upon a drug drop from an airplane and were murdered stumbled on an airport where there was a drug drop happening blah blah blah. In 2016, she sued the USA over the Freedom of Information Act because of all the stonewalling in relation to the boys' Which deaths. Which we just were talking about freedom of information. We were. we were. The suit was inevitably dismissed in 2019, so nothing came of that. So anyway, so that is the story of Kevin Ives and Don Henry. I want to give a thanks out for to <laughs> Exemplar.com, Tablet Magazine, Paranormal Witness... The show. Can I get a witness? And that's going to be a season two, episode four situation that oh, we're dealing with. Noted, noted, noted. And the fader. Them's the folks I want to thank. <laughs> but mostly, I want to thank you, Kevin Manis, for being the guy that was searching for items for your antique store. And then you found this estate auction. And they were all like items from this Polish Holocaust survivor who was had died at 103 years old. God bless. So she had all this cool stuff he went through, and he won a lot that had contained a bunch of different things in it, including a locked sort of wine cabinet-looking thing. Uh He asked the woman's granddaughter what it was, and she called it the Dybbuk box. (gasps) Shut up. This is a Dybbuk box? Yeah. Um, Sorry. For those of you who don't know what a a Dybbuk box is. I only know this because I did a play and it was in it. Really? Yes. So it's basically a Dybbuk is like a malicious spirit that possesses something. It like continues to live on, doesn't it? Like it can, it lives through generations. It lives through generations, through items or through people. It's a demon. I mean, so the granddaughter's like, my grandma kept this box 
basically hidden away. She wouldn't let anybody open it. And then he's like, oh, it's, so it was your grandma's and she died. It sounds pretty sentimental. Like, are you sure you don't want to keep it? And she's, she's like, Fuck oh, no. no, 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 no. I'm good. I'm super good. <laughs> you take that. Do you want me to gift wrap that? So he goes to his store. He's like not sure where he's going to put it in the store. So he has it in the basement. And he it has like a brass lock thing on it that he goes to work on. And he ends up breaking the clasp and the doors just fly open. No. So he finds like some weird bips and bops inside. Bips and, and bops. Well, it, but he's like, she, that was an old woman that owned this. Yeah. What do old women keep in their bips shit? Bips and bops and they keep weird, yep, and trinky dinks and thingamabobs. She thingamabobs. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> there was a dingle hopper in there. <gasps> there was a doohickey too? Indeed. Wow. Do you want to know what was in there? 100%. I want to know what bips and bops were in there. I'm going to tell you. There were two 1920s pennies. Huh. A lock of blonde hair. That was like bound, a lock of black or brownish brunetti kind of hair that was bound, a small statue that was engraved with the Hebrew word shalom. There was a golden wine goblet, a dried rosebud, and a single candle holder that had kind of octopus shaped legs coming out of it, but a candle holder. These feel bigger than bips and bops. Bigger in size than a bip and a bop? They're just I would say thingamabobs. Okay. These were the thingamabobs. They're not bips and bips and bops is like a brush, maybe a comb. So you, oh, they're like special? They're not special. I mean, I don't know. These feel special. A lock of hair? Who saves a lock of hair? Parents. Serial killers and parents. Those are the two people that do that. (laughs) Does your mom Ditto teeth, by the way. Teeth like that? Do you have... Are you going to keep Koa's teeth? I have his umbilical cord. Of course I'm going to keep his teeth. You have his umbilical cord? Yeah, I'm a total pervert. Of course. That's so weird. I keep everything he looks at or touches. I'm obsessed with him. (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. I love that. Um, So, Kevin's sales assistant, Jane... We love her. She's cleaning the basement one day, and she feels creeped, like someone's watching her. <gasps> she was not the type to spook. She was, like, in the basement all the time when it was dark, whatever. She felt weird. She's, like, upstairs, I think, when this happens, and she starts – she went up to, like, answer the phone. She starts hearing crazy smashing, and she thinks someone's broken into the store, and she goes to try to leave, but the door is locked. She freaks out, scary. calls Kevin, and is like, get ya ass here it sounds like somebody's broken in he gets there he is on the other side of this wrought iron door into the basement that is locked he didn't lock it so he's like that's weird finally he gets in and the lights are out the switch doesn't work there's a bunch of broken lights in the basement there had been like four giant i don't know what you call those lights they're like the long beams fluorescent yeah and they're shattered that's dangerous um yeah isn't it poison yeah to be careful if you break those. So they're shattered on the ground. He, so he gets a flashlight. He's looking around. He finds Jane. She's basically huddled in a corner crying. Oh, Jane. Yeah. It said that she cursed and him and never returned. So I picture her being like, fuck you. I make minimum wage. I mm-hmm. could work at a yogurt shop at the mall. Then at least I would get the free yogurt. Mm-hmm. I'm out of here. Yeah. This is not worth it for some bips and bops of things you don't want. No. I don't even know if she got an employee discount at the store. I'm not saying she didn't. I'm just saying I couldn't that find an, anything that about wasn't, that. That wasn't in your Weirdly, research? I, I could find nothing. And well, don't think I didn't Google it. And I'm going to tell you right now, dear readers, 
wherever you work, if you don't get a discount on the product, if you work for a place that sells the product. Get out of there. Get out of there. They don't value you. They don't appreciate you. And you deserve better than that. If While you're we're on the topic. Someone's product, While we're on the topic, pasta is not a shift meal unless you're working for Mario Batali. Okay? If you work at a Mediterranean restaurant... I want you to have salmon for your shift meal. I want you to have a nice chicken breast. Yeah. They should not be giving you pasta for your shift meal. Cheap bastards. Okay. Let's move on. Moving on. So um, you heard it here first, folks. You heard it here first. Let this be the sign. So our friend Kevin is like, oh, Jane left. That sucks. <laughs> so his mama's birthday is coming up okay. and he doesn't value his mama is the problem because <gasps> guess what? He, he forgot her to go box? shopping. Yes. What he a for- dumbass. So he's like, didn't go shopping. He's like, oh, I... Shoot, I know what would be a great gift. Give this her a fucking Dybbuk box. box that's possessed by the devil. So he's like, here's this shitty haunted box. Happy birthday, mom. And she had come to the shop so they could have lunch or whatever for her birthday. So she had to go to where he works? <sighs> Kevin's sort of the worst. Kevin so he's like, here's this box. BRB, I have to make a call. He goes and makes a call. Jane's replacement's basically there. And she goes and gets him and is like, um, something's wrong with your mom. So he comes back. <gasps> And she's, his mom is sitting in a chair, no expression, crying, totally unresponsive. She was rushed to the hospital. It turned out that she'd had a stroke. She lost her ability to speak for quite some time afterwards. And so she had one of those like bell and butterfly situations where she was like, she could do letters on it, like write stuff, but she couldn't speak. And when he asked her how she was doing... She wrote out, no gift. And he was like, I did so get you a gift. I got you that great Dybbuk box. And she wrote, hate gift. Fucking Kevin's a real piece of work. Because what he does next is he gives the damn box to his sister. She has it for a week, gives it back, gives it to his brother and his brother's wife. They have it three days. They return it. Then the brother's like, hey, this was weird because... This box smelled like jasmine flowers to me and cat piss to my wife. And I might have that flipped. But it had like these really strong odors that happened when they went in the room with the box that was like too intense. So they were like, get it out. So then Ding Dong Kevin gives it to his girlfriend. Kevin, what the fuck? Like if four people return this box... Chances are people don't want it. People don't want also, it. Also, like, you gave your girlfriend. After all this happened, you get... It's like a new way of Kevin, ghosting someone. ding dong. Ew! Oh. Nailed the joke on that one. And that, if you look, dear readers, if you were like me and looking at Quinlan's face, she's even surprised at that joke that she just made. Yeah, I was pretty... I was like, whoa. She's like, I'm damn good. I'm in love with me. <laughs> she freaks out about it. And is like, no, 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 no. You have to get rid of this. It's giving me nightmares. Kevin is a regular Nancy Drew because you know what? He realizes the common thread with everyone is the box. And he's like, you know what? I think there's something wrong with this box. Carrie's mad at you, Kevin. I'm mad. I'm so mad at Kevin. So he's like, I'm going to sell the box. So he sells it to this middle-aged couple. And a few days later, they leave it outside his shop with a note on it that says, this has a bad darkness. (laughs) <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, so, they didn't even try to return it for the money. No, they, they were their like, policy. They're like, there's no out. returns here. So 
Kevin starts to have nightmares, and his nightmares are all that basically he's walking with a good friend. It doesn't matter. It can be a different person every dream, but it's always a friend of his. He's walking, chatting with them. He looks at his friend's eyes, and something, like, changes in the eyes and gets creepy and evil. And then the friend turns into a demonic hag and starts beating him up. Now, I really object to the word hag. But in this case. Because I don't really know what it means. Is that just an old woman? I feel when I picture a hag, I picture the witch in Sleeping Beauty. Okay. No, 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 in Snow White. Who's all like the big eyes and the long nose that's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm picturing too. So, okay, good. At least we have the same visual on that. So it turns into her. The weird thing is, like, when he'd wake up from the dream, he would legit have like bruises on his body. He ends up telling everybody about this dream, and his siblings that he had given the box to were like, we had that dream too, but when the box was at our house. Everyone's having the same dream. The box is causing the same dream. His girlfriend as well. And then when Kevin is awake, he starts seeing shadow creatures in his house, which you never want. You don't want that. Um, you never want. You never want that. So he puts the box in a storage unit outside, and then... A smoke alarm goes off in the unit. When he goes in, there's no smoke, but there's a crazy strong scent of cat urine. He starts to look up information again on the internet. What am I going to do with this box? He is Googling, what am I going to do with this box, I picture. A lot of porn came up. It was weird. (laughs) (laughs) He was was Googling it on Pornhub site and seeing what happens. What am I going to do with this box? So he (laughs) fought. The amount of evangelicals that think that my box is a Dybbuk box is probably like (laughs) in the fucking millions. So he falls asleep. He has a nightmare. He wakes up at 430 to the feeling of someone breathing on his neck and he smells jasmine flowers and sees a shadow figure lurk across the room. At this point, Kevin puts the box on eBay. Um, Fuck you, Kevin. And then things got a little dodgy in my research here because what I found is two kind of conflicting things. No. Basically, a college student did buy the box. Did he advertise it like in the Yeah, 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 yeah. He was like, it's haunted. Are you interested? Kind of vibes. There was a lot of articles that say this kid, Losef Neat. I'm not going to do it. It's (laughs) N-I-E-T-Z-K-E. Nietzsche. Nitsky. Okay, but then I found an article that called him Sam. So I'm going to go ahead and say that even though it's way more likely this first name, I'm going to say Sam because Wait, the first it name feels was right. what? Losif Nitsky. Are you sh- Losif? Los? Okay. Well, so Sam. A Losef college student in Missouri buys the box. Okay. We're going to call him Sam. His roommate, Brian, is like, talking to Sam and Sam's like I'm gonna buy this box and Brian's like you weirdo and then comes back into lunch smells pee pee after coming home from lunch goes in the kitchen and is like there's the box Sam bought the fucking box no. the box was totally like a focal point for parties they were like look at our haunted box Sam also blogs about it all the electronics go nuts he has to replace his laptop All a, basically an electronic item a day is going down in the house the other roommate's 
are feeling weird. One of them wakes up every day with really bloodshot, crazy-looking eyes, like he's sick. Bugs start infesting their house. Sam says he started to see things like shadow creatures, basically. He starts to lose his hair. So he's having that a hard time. Suspect with the hair. He I know. Just I'm like, you going... had to buy a new MacBook Air and get Propecia, and you're mad now. <laughs> and now you want to sell this box. <laughs> Settle down. Well, so Brian, I think, was in a class and told his professor the story. Yeah. And was like, oh, my roommate bought this box and it's haunted. And the professor was like, God, he was searching for that extra credit. <laughs> he was also the director of the local medical museum, this guy. And he was a professor and he's like, wait, that sounds crazy. I want to hear the story. Tells him the story. This guy's name is Jason Haxton, this professor. And he's pretty interested in a scientific way. Like, why is the box doing these things? Is it doing these things? Why do people think it is? And then his friend, the teacher's friend, is going to do like a haunted tour. And was talking about how he wanted to put something in the tour that was... Actually haunted? Yeah. Like, he's kind of like, I want there to be some spiritual element. And he told him about the box. And he's like, that would be perfect. And... Jason's like, what if it's really haunted? And he's like, ah, that'd be cool. Will you buy it for me? It's on eBay? And he's like, yeah, will you buy it for me? And he's like, why am I going to buy it? And he's like, well, I don't have an eBay account. Will you just buy it for me? So Jason's like, okay. So he buys it for the guy. And the guy's like, oh, I definitely don't want it. I'm freaked. So Jason's like, cool. Now I I guess I have this box. What am I going to do? So he, but he also bought it for double what Sam had paid. So mm. not a lot. Like, okay, Sam paid 140 Jason, the teacher Jason buys it for like 280 Okay. So within days of the box arriving, he had it delivered to the museum or the, his work and computers start crashing. The light bulbs start breaking. People start getting sick and they're like, enough get this thing out of here it's creeping us so he takes it home and he starts having the hag dream and he experienced all these things welts hives he thought that maybe the box his theory was maybe somebody put some kind of poison on the box Mm -hmm. so that if you touch it you'll you'll get sick and you'll think you're being haunted but really there's some sort of chemical thing happening so he has the box tested for metals for everything and nothing comes back so then he's like weird i can't scientifically explain why this is happening he and his son are watching tv one night and his son is like i see something and he looks over and they both see a black shadowy mass behind his son um yeah so they're like let's get this thing a hundred percent out of the house they put it in the garage and there's a wall of cement and at one time the wall Gets covered in bugs. Bugs seem to be drawn to the box. They put it, kills all these spiders in the middle of them spinning webs. So there's all these dead spiders in a basement crawl space and white mold appears in the basement right by it immediately. And like, as soon as they remove the box, the mold vanished. Basically, he's like, I think we need to seal this in a real way because it's too dangerous. So he at one point takes it to the basement of an unused rental property and leaves it there. And then he comes home and takes a bath to try to cleanse himself. And then he feels something inside him. He feels super sick and he starts coughing up mucus and vomiting blood. He had a really hard time of it, this guy. But he had taken so, it to a rental. Did he get it back? Yeah. Well, so then he hires all these science, not hires, asks the help of all these paranormalists and Kabbalist and Wiccans and is asking everybody, what should I do? He says that he believes that the force 
in it is neutral but plays off whoever comes into contact with it and that the ultimate goal of the energy in the box is to reveal some sort of truth and he's just and it's seeking the right owner to help it so he's trying to help the box speak its truth so he all this shit's going down he doesn't know what to do he calls kevin the original antique owner can you go back where you got this box and ask a few more questions? So Kevin actually does that and meets with Sophie, the cousin of the woman who passed away. And she says that prior to World War II, spiritualism was kind of a big deal in Europe and was a thing. And that they made a Ouija board with embroidery on a handkerchief. And they did seances. And they contacted a spirit and then and accidentally brought it over to the other side and bringing it over to the other side or maybe it was on purpose that they brought it they were like we trapped it in the dybbuk box but it crossed into our world so kevin calls jason is like here's the situation and jason's like great thanks so much kevin that was really helpful and he contacts more people contacts rabbis the decision is I can't remember why, but gold was the decision. So it basically gets put in, in a wood arc lined with 24 karat gold everywhere to protect people from the powers inside of it. And it makes it controlled or benign. Of course, it goes on the market again. And who buys it? But Zach Baggins, who's the guy from Ghost Adventures, the TV show. <laughs> so he buys it. And he puts it in his collection of paranormal objects in Vegas, which is like this museum. And the most recent stuff that sort of went down in the past few years is that he went to the museum with the rapper Post Malone and he took the plexiglass off of the box. No. And he touched it. And while he was touching it, Post Malone touched him. And apparently that was enough to transfer energies and he believes that a curse passed from the box to the wrapper. He got really freaked out when it happened, felt something, and left and was sitting in the parking lot just crying and screaming and hyperventilating. And he said that, I felt all the fears you've ever had in your life all at once in one concentration of energy. And that's what Baggins said. Um, what did Post Malone say? Post Malone didn't really say anything about it. I don't know whether he believes it or not, but... What happened afterwards is his private plane was forced to make an emergency landing after the tires blew off it. Three armed robbers went into the house he used to live in yelling his name like clearly were targeting him and looking for him. His Rolls Royce, poor guy, uh, was involved in a serious car accident. And that all happened in quick succession after this. And a few weeks afterwards, a museum visitor dropped to the floor in the Dybbuk box chamber and required immediate medical attention, just being in its presence. So it's still, to this day, that's where it is. It's in Vegas. He doesn't, it's not like an open, the area the Dybbuk box in, is in is not an open part of the museum anymore. It's closed off. But if you want to really see it, you have to, Baggins makes you sign like a waiver that releases him from all liability if anything happens to you. And then you can see it. So... Next time you're in Vegas. Never. Will you? Would you ever see that? No. I would never touch it. So I this, would go to O. So he, he, you would go? I would go to O. Oh, the Cirque du Soleil show that's in Vegas. <laughs> if it's a choice between Dybbuk Box and that. So what's crazy to me is I thought that the gold contained it. So he took the plexiglass. Well, plexiglass. they took it off 
just so that you could see it. Oh, wait, he took it out of the, the gold box? It's not in the gold box. It's just under plexiglass now. What are they doing? Is there they're, a picture they're of it? a ghost adventure. Is there a picture? Yeah. Do you want to see a picture Absolutely of it? Absolutely, I um, do. I mean, it's pretty, but it kind of just looks like a vintage wine cabinet. How big is this box? I don't know. It's probably like two feet tall. It's not huge. Here's him with it. Who's that? That's uh, Jason Haxton that bought it, the, like, professor. The professor. There's a picture of it. That's so cuckoo. So that's where it says shalom, which means peace. Yeah. Rest in peace, peace. Not, like, peace sign peace. Not, like, give peace a chance peace. But also, like, Shabbat shalom. Totally. I mean, wow. it's pretty. Dibbic box. But I don't want anything that smells like pee-pee in my house. That's why I don't have cats to begin with. Jasmine flowers? Would I would have something that smells like jasmine flowers. Yeah, but I think you never know, you know? And I think <laughs> Could you imagine it, an air freshener that goes between cat pee-pee and jasmine flowers? Pee-pee flowers, pee-pee flowers. You're like, what am I going to walk into today? And That's not the first time that I've read about something haunted, sort of like having a smell that is pee-pee-ish. Do you think it's an ammonia thing? Oh, maybe. And the jasmine flower thing I actually have heard about, too. With haunted things. And I think it's meant to be a thing that's supposed to draw you in. But I also think it's a really strong smell. And it might have to do with people having different senses of smell where it's maybe it's only one smell. And depending on who you are, you. (laughs) Yeah, totally. That some people it's soap, some people it's delish. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's hard for me all this. You know, this is the second one I've done about something haunted being sold on eBay. And it's. Clearly, that's a real thing. And I think that it's assumed generally that people are making shit up and trying to get a higher price on an item that they're selling. Yeah. And I think that the reason this one is a little different is the um, multiplicity of events that seem to happen around it where it wasn't just if it was just Kevin then it's like this guy made up the story, and the thing is, people have done things like family. It's like it's so crazy that he had, it, it took his whole his, family and his, his family didn't contest it. Yeah. But the other thing is, they looked into it, and I don't think there was they couldn't find a woman that fit the bill. Like a hundred and three year old died in hundred three Holocaust survivor from Poland that lived in. That's not a thing. It sounds like it. Wait, they couldn't find the woman who it was before. Right, right, right. That identity, we don't know. And it seems like he might have made that person up. Um, what about Sophie, the, the cousin of... Don't know last names. And he won't give anybody names. So it's like That's the fair. fact that he's like, Sophie, sure. But it. I guess I'm just... What I'm getting at is there's a few things that make it seem like it was made up. I, I watched a bunch of interviews with Haxton. He is adorable and delightful. But I also think that he is loving being part of this in a way that's a hobby almost. And I yeah. think that he – it seems like he he gets excited and was like, a tree fell on my house right after it happened. Look, here's a picture of the tree. Look, here's a picture of the bugs that were in my house. I don't think he's a liar, but I do think – he was also talking about how the movie Possession was based on it and how, like, he got to go and he got to meet the director do you know what I mean? Yeah. He was really excited about that. And he was like, they said if they make a sequel, they might talk to me about it. Uh, I think he likes the attention. I also think he struck me as somebody that could would be susceptible to like influence. Completely. Oh. And then Kevin strikes me as somebody that may have made it up. Oh, interesting. 
Well, there was this weird thing, and I don't know how true it is, but I looked at some of the skeptic websites, and one of the things I saw that I was like, hmm, was that he posted on something where somebody did a story about a Dybbuk box mm-hmm. and he, and was getting attention. And he posted on a website being like, I made up Dybbuk box. There isn't such a thing as a Dybbuk box. I'm the guy that like coined the term. It's not a real thing. I made it up. And now you're trying to get credit, make up your own idea. And it was a little like, uh-oh. That's crazy. A liar man. I do think that the mind is a really powerful thing. It really do. But it was an internet thing. And, and it's always just hard to tell if what's fake and what's real. So yeah. I don't know. But it's a fun story regardless. Absolutely. It and is. it has uh, sort just of this so fun many, lore around it. Just it just crazy. There's so, so many people that legitimized it in so many ways. Sorry too. if I creepy pasted you. But I have to tell it because it's like. You have to tell it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is crazy. What a, what a crazy conversation we've just had. We're haunted by the presence of your child. We are so haunted, dear readers. I don't know if you can hear, but Ko is 100% down the hall, just like knows we're recording, and he's trying to ruin everything. And also, I was haunted by a long hair on my neck chin area. <laughs> oh, my God. That was. It's, it's been a really believe- long night. It's been a really – it's been a crazy time. Should we go get more wine and make I think food? we should get more wine and eat food. Oh, do you want to – uh, posthumously introduce what the show is they just listened to. Oh shoot, we never did we that. Suck at doing oh, that. Well, thank you so much for listening to Truly Darkly Creepy. I'm Quinlan Posner and I'm Carrie Ipema, and we'll catch you next time, girl. Thanks so much. Follow us, like us, do all that shit. You know the drill. But thank you so much for joining us. Do the drill. We love you. And don't get followed by creepy hags. Oh, God, if I had a dime for every guy that called it a Dybbuk box, I'd be rich. (laughs) I coined the term. Leave it to a dude to fucking be like, I coined the term Dybbuk box. Dybbuk. D-box. Dick pick box? It's a dick pick box. Dick pick box? Dick pick box. Dick pick box.